Hey everybody, welcome to Half Court Heave. Uh, this Akshay Para, Jitong Su, Akhil Swarna, and I, Paul Phillip, are your hosts for today. And we're going to be speaking about some of the hottest topics in basketball. So let's get right, let's get right ahead. Akshay, start uh, us off. Yeah, so the first topic we're going to be talking about is uh, Bucks versus Heat. We all saw the last game yesterday. Heat went up 3-0. None of us were expecting it. On the last episode, um, I said Heat in seven. Jatong said Heat in seven. And Akil said Heat in seven. But we wouldn't think that Heat would win by as much as they're doing right now. So, like, it's been really really unexpected. And just, like, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think it's really interesting how the Heat have, you know, just come out of nowhere and really showed that, um, ISO basketball, which is kind of what I imagine the Bucks run, doesn't work in the playoffs. We've seen that in the past with Harden and uh, Harden in years past and Westbrook in years past. ISO basketball does not work. But maybe we thought it was a little different since, uh, you know, Giannis is on another level. He's like an athletic monster and he's like a different breed of player. But the Heat are just shutting the Bucks down. And I think it's great because they're showing that like system basketball, like game plan beats everything. Their preparation is unmatched. Jimmy Butler is going ridiculous. He's turned into like, uh, he's turned into like a Giannis, like a two-way monster. Uh, everyone else is also stepping up. I honestly can't list specific players, but I know yeah. that they're helping him out, uh, helping him out like Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic's a great leader on the offense and defense. And I think it's really interesting, and I think they have a really big chance to sweep the Bucks here. You think? I actually think the opposite, right? I think the reason why the Bucks are doing so badly is because they don't have because not be, not because they run an isolation system. It's because they don't have an isolation option, right? Who on the Bucks is your ISO player? It's not Giannis. It's not Chris Middleton. The Bucks just do not have that option that like every other good team does. I think that's why they're suffering to the Heat so much because the Heat can neutralize their entire team's offense. But since they don't have that one guy to go to for the Bucks, the Bucks can can't do anything about it. I mean, the Bucks do have that one guy to go to. It is Giannis, and that's how they play. They give no, the it's ball. not. Giannis is not an isolation scorer. That, he no. can't create a shot. Yeah, just, listen to what I'm saying. Listen, listen. He's not an isolation scorer, but that's how he plays. Like they don't. Set sometimes they set screen for for Giannis and stuff, but like he scores on his own driving to the basket. But once you cut that off, he cannot produce his own shot like off the dribble for a three or something. But he yeah, can produce so his own shot scoring. driving to the basket. That's the type of he can drive he to, is. Hey, anyone can drive. Not Dude. anyone can drive, but okay. <laughs> the, so the point is, this what conversation are, got so heated so quick. Dude, can can Giannis like he can't shoot right? He has no like. He has no footwork. He has no post moves. All he does is drive and dunk. And that that's not enough to warrant you being called a scorer or even an isolation player. Giannis, like when when you watch the Bucks, they win their they win their games not when Giannis scores a lot, but when their entire team is like clicking, when other when other uh people are making their shots. And but- so when the Heat prevent other players from hitting their shots. It doesn't matter what Giannis can do because he can't take over a game. Giannis can never take over a game. He's just not that type of player. He can't take over a game like KD can, like uh, Harden can, like Steph can, like LeBron can. Giannis is incapable of doing that just because of the way he plays 
and that's why the Heat is losing. I mean, the Bucks are losing. Uh, Paul, go ahead. Yeah, thank you. No, no, no. I mean, no. I, I, I think, I think Chitong's take is is absolutely fantastic. Um, I mean, I, I would say something slightly different. Not that it applies this much to like that much to this series. Um, you know, because the Heat are essentially blowing out the Bucks. Um, in, in each game, but but when it comes down to, and this goes for any team, when it comes down to fourth quarter, two minutes left on the clock, who's your guy that's going to go down the floor and get you a bucket? On the Heat, I know it's Jimmy Butler. You know, it, uh, on the Warriors, I used to know that it was KD, or I know I knew that it was Steph. But with the Bucks, I don't know if it's Giannis. You know, it, he's not the kind of guy who who comes down the floor, floor and pulls up off the dribble. You know, if you clog up the paint, then that's how you stop him. Because, yes, he's getting better at perimeter shooting and things like that. But he doesn't he, – he won't come down the floor and just take a three. And, and you know that it's going in, in, in clutch time. And, and something about Giannis in particular, um, yeah, I mean, his, his, his lack of ability to produce, um, you know, in the playoffs. He did have a good first-round series last year when they went down – when the Bucks went down 2-0 and he was able to – he was able to bring them up, but I mean, it was literally the first round of the playoffs in the East, and he was the MVP that season. You know, it was it was absurd that they would have that they were um, even in such jeopardy of losing the first round matchup in the first place. Um, but that's that's yeah, that's what I have to say on that. Yeah, but uh, for me, here's the thing, Giannis. Jatong saying he's not a scorer, but I think quarters one through three, he can get his own shot. He's unstoppable. He can do anything he wants. But when you get to the fourth quarter and like. Uh, the pressure increases and he can't like you know just drive to the basket every time. That's when is he, he not just a better version of Ben Simmons? He he is, but he's so strong. And I think Giannis is a more athletic version of Ben Simmons as well. Yeah, like Gian- he's like a he's like a poor man's LeBron basically. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean absolutely, Giannis absolutely. definitely doesn't have well, the shooting the shot, that LeBron has. He doesn't the, have the clutchness. He doesn't have the. Passing, he has the basketball IQ. Yeah, yeah. What can Giannis do but dunk? Like <laughs> he can defend Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, yeah. Giannis. Yeah, is great I know, I know that, I know that. But I'm talking about offense. Yeah, and and, de- and defense doesn't necessarily defense, defense doesn't get you doesn't get you a bucket at the end of the game. Defense is more about the team than the player. So, and defense is about effort, not about skill. Yeah, that's, that's, true, that's true. true. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, personally, for me, like as I was saying, like the Heat outscored the Bucks like 40 to 13 in the fourth quarter or something. Like Giannis was kind of like putting the Bucks on his back for the first three quarters, but he could, just couldn't get it done in the fourth. And I feel like Middleton's not that guy, but he needs someone else on the team who's going to be able to like either create opportunities for him or create opportunities for themselves to be able to score and put the Bucks in a position to win. Because like this is one of those things where they're a great regular season team. He's a great regular season player. But when it comes to the postseason time, I think that's where he struggles a little bit. And he's going to do that until he gets someone else that can really help him. And I don't think they have to be like a star level, but they have to be a solid player who can, you know, take some pressure off Giannis in crunch time. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think I would, I think it's really interesting how their coach, Mike Budenholzer, he was also the coach of the Hawks back in, you know, 15, 16 time. And they had the same exact problem. They were great regular season team going like 60 wins. And then when it came to the playoffs, they were just the complete opposite. You know, they didn't have that star player that could step up. And now the, he's seeing the same problems here on the Bucks, even though he's given, uh, you know, a better player in Giannis, but maybe as a unit, 
uh, a worse unit because he doesn't have, you know, Paul Millsap, Jeff Teague, Al Horford, not like four or five all-stars. Well, here's what I'll say. Um, and I, I think that I think that Coach Bud is a good coach. He was a good coach for the Hawks. He was a good coach. I think he's been a good coach for the Bucks. But what you have to think about is that, and this goes for basketball, it goes for football. Um, I mean, I won't say it goes for baseball because I don't know too much about that. But I think in the regular season, your success is based on the system. You know, your success is not based on a singular player or a or, or dynamic duo in the regular season. Your success is based on how effective your system is, how effective you move the ball, how effective you are playing defense, things like that. But when it comes to the player, your, your success is based on a player. A couple of players are, are how your team is able to win it like over other teams. That's what you see, that's what you see with LeBron every single year in the playoffs. Like how, how is it that he's able – to, the team can be awful throughout the year, but every year in the playoffs, regardless of regardless of who they're playing, he pulls it out. I mean, except for against the Warriors, but there's nothing to be done about that. Because the playoffs are about a specific player who's going to lead your team to victory. And on the Heat, you see that with Jimmy Butler. On the Celtics, maybe you see it with Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or Kemba. On the Lakers, obviously LeBron. But I guess that, you know, the Bucks. You thought it was Giannis, but it's not Giannis. Yeah, I mean, they're just some stars who, like, you know, drop down when playoff time comes, when it's whether it's Harden or Giannis. And there's other people like Tatum and Kawhi we saw last year who pick up their play in the postseason, and that's what elevates their status in the NBA, I guess. Because, like, there are certain skills required that Giannis and Harden just don't have, which Kawhi and Tatum and uh, who else? Uh, I don't know, Butler, I guess that these other players have that Giannis just doesn't have. And I think he's a regular season player and he needs to find a way that he can elevate his game and not like, you know, make it go down. Cause he is a back-to-back MVP. We know he has the skill. He just needs to apply it at the right time. Jatong, yeah, do you have anything to say? Yeah, I, I guess like, yeah. Well, what you said is that like the regular season is not a, not that great of a predictor for, how um, how well a team does in the playoffs. And that's because, like, uh, you get more time in the playoffs to prepare, right? So you can kind of, like, take away the other team's best option, right? And so now now you're left to see how, uh, how adaptable they are and how, like, how, how well the coaching can make changes to uh, – uh, de- depending on which team they're playing against. Yeah, I think that's – yeah, wait, let it go, let it go. Oh, yeah. I don't know, I, I completely agree with everything you guys said. Nothing much to say. Playoff teams mostly, playoff teams, players, and coaches mostly define the team because, you know, you're given an appropriate amount of time to repair. You know they're putting their best effort because every game matters, every quarter matters, every possession matters. And that's why I think people like Kawhi last year and Nick Nurse, you know, the past two years have gotten a lot of recognition because of their ability to perform so well in the playoffs. And then, you know, the Bucks are starting off poorly. Part of the reason why is because, like, when when you be a good regular season team, you have to make a system that, that works well against the most amount of teams possible. But right. a system doesn't work well against one team, and in this case, it's the Miami Heat, then you can win 
Mavs, but you're not beating the Miami Heat, right? So, yeah, I mean, like when you really look at this series, we have to look at both sides. We can't just say bad Bucks and bad Bucks coaching. It's also good Heat and good Heat's coaching. When you look at Coach Bud versus Coach Spo, Spolster's just out coached him, and there's just no other way to put it. Like, he's shown time and time again, whether it be with Bosch, Wade, and LeBron to now with Butler, he's a good coach in the playoffs and he knows how to adapt his system. And not just him, the players too, whether it be Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala, they just have Goran Dragic. They have players who are going to adapt to the system that he's putting in place and letting them, you know, advance in the playoffs and elevate their game, not decrease like the Bucks did. I mean, but I think most importantly, you got to recognize more than the coaching. I think you got to recognize Jimmy Butler. I mean, last night he had 17 points in the fourth quarter and the Bucks had 13 points. One player outscored an entire team in the fourth quarter. And it's not a coincidence that it, that player was Jimmy Butler. I mean, his approach to the game. I mean, he's just got such a killer instinct um, and such a winner mindset. You know, that's like, I mean, this is precisely why, like, he didn't fit in these in these losing cultures like in Philly or in Minnesota, you know. It is, his, his, his mindset, the way that he said, you know, this is a business trip for me, that's why he didn't bring any family to the bubble. I mean, that right there is, is, is the biggest indicator of why the, of why the Heat are going to be a really successful team in the playoffs. Yeah, I really think personal experiences and mindset play a big role in a player's career and their success. Like, for example, LeBron, everyone knows about how he struggled a lot during his childhood. And I I definitely feel like that correlates with his career now because, you know, if he's down 3-1 to the Warriors in the finals, I feel like most players wouldn't think, you know, they probably might tell the media, yeah, we got this. We can win 4-3. We can make a comeback. But I feel like LeBron's one of the few guys that'll genuinely think in their head, we got this. I know we can do this. And I know I can do this. And I know Jimmy Butler faced a lot growing up. So I think that's where that mindset comes in for him. You know, it's not over till it's over. And he keeps fighting and he keeps pushing himself. Yeah, Butler just has that dog mentality to never give up mindset that, like, not many other people have, not many other players have. And I just think, like, growing up, he went to Juco. Then he went to Marquette. Last pick in the first round, he was really doubted by a lot of people because he was undersized and whatnot. But And jumping from team to team, you weren't sure if he was ever going to be successful. And I think with the Heat, with Pat Riley and that culture they've set up in place, he's really found his home. You can see that um, he's really like embraced his role as the leader of the team. He can get on his teammates. They won't care. They'll just take it as you know him trying to motivate them. And he's just in the right place to be successful. So um, I don't know. What does Jaton think? Yeah, I mean, though the one thing I would say is that Giannis does have that kind of mentality too. Like you, you, you know how like in the summer all these NBA players go to like LA Fitness and they just ball out like as if they're like buddies and chums and they, you know, like like a fraternity almost, right? You never see Giannis there because you know Giannis also has the mentality of like everyone in the NBA is his enemy. He doesn't want to. Uh, be a part of this brotherhood, this camaraderie, because at the end of the day, they're his opponents and they're not his teammates. So Giannis does have that bit of a, an edge to him too. But the problem is he can't back it up because he has no skill whatsoever. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, just one last question for you guys before we move on to the next topic. So the Heat, the 3-0 up, they're probably going to win this series. No other team's done it. But uh, 
What do you think their ceiling is? Do you think they are capable of winning an NBA championship this year? Personally, for me, I think the ceiling is get to a championship. I don't think they'll win, but they can get to a championship and make it competitive. Maybe next year, once they get like another piece, they can win. But I don't think this is that year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, oh, Paul, go ahead. Oh, so, yeah, I mean, I was just going to say I agree. I think the ceiling is getting to a championship and not winning one. But you go, Akio. Yeah, same here. I think getting to the championship is their ceiling. And I kind of imagine the Heat as, and I hate to say it, just the Raptors, but they're the first thing that popped in my head. But I see them as the Raptors from like that 2014 to like 2018 span where they would get far in the playoffs. In this case, they'd get to the championship. And then they're finally going to pick up a superstar player, which will take them to the next step. So I imagine this year they do really well, and then they become an attraction to free agents or, you know, trade landing spots. And then they pick up that next guy who can help them consistently reach the finals and maybe even pose a real big threat to the Western superpowers. Chitong, anything to add or no? Okay, well, we can't exactly hear from Jatong right now, but uh, let's move on to the next topic of Lakers versus Rockets. So we saw the game last night. Rockets ended up actually taking the win. I did not expect that. I thought Lakers would win in five, max six, but it looks like the Rockets are actually going to make this a really competitive series. Um, yeah. Yeah, we can hear you. So what are your thoughts on Lakers versus Rockets, Jatong? Uh, Lakers versus Rockets? Uh, I think... I think this game was a bit of a fluke, just like how uh, game one of the first round was a bit of a fluke. Because at the end of the day, they still don't have the defense to stop AD and LeBron. So, and I think, um, you know, now that they have Rondo back and you still got LeBron, like Rondo and LeBron are very smart basketball players. And they can, they can game plan really well. So I think they'll be able to come up with something to beat the Rockets. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially the thing about the flukes at the beginning of the series. Um, the Rockets were off a a emotional win um, in, in the first round, um, you know, and, and they kind of kept that. They kept a similar energy coming into game one. And, you know, that's why they were able to win it compared to the Lakers, who had had an easier series. Um, it, them win, Them losing the series wasn't ever really in doubt the way that it was for the way that it was for the Rockets. Um, and so, you know, they were, they were a little bit, the team was a little bit sleepy, a little bit slower. And, you know, that's why they lose game one. It's the exact same reason why they lost game one against the Blazers. They had come off a, a easy regular season. They coasted through, they got the first seed. Meanwhile, Dame and the Blazers were fighting tooth and nail for, for a playoff spot. And they were able to keep the same energy going into game one, but really it's, that's the thing about the NBA in comparison um, to the NFL playoff system or the college football playoff system. When you play a seven-game series, it's, it's just too hard to beat a team that you're not better than. Like beating a team four times in, in, in a span of, you know, two weeks is just too difficult if you're, not, if you're not legitimately better than the team. That's why I called the Rockets to win game seven against OKC because I just felt like I don't like the Rockets, but they're the better team than OKC. And yes, it was very close, but, you know, that's what happens in the NBA. 99% of the time, the better team wins. The only time I can think of 
when the better team didn't win was the 2016 finals with LeBron. But LeBron's an anomaly, so. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, in the NBA, you always see the better team winning. That's why seven games, I still think the Lakers are going to win this in six. But I feel like what comes down to it for me is they tied in rebounds. They both got, the Rockets and Lakers both got 41 rebounds. And for the Lakers to win this series, that just can't happen. Like, you're so much bigger than them. You have to be dominating the boards and dominating the paint. And that did not happen in this game. But uh, I think they're going to pull it back. And that's going to happen in the future. And Lakers in six for me. I don't know uh, what Akil thinks, though. Yeah, I, I think it's I actually didn't uh know that the Rockets and Lakers matched in rebounds, which I think is really interesting considering everyone was criticizing the criticizing the Rockets for so long for their small ball lineup. And I think, you know, I know it's not as simple as it sounds, but if the Lakers get to utilize their big men more, you have a lot. You have Dwight Howard, JaVel McGee, and Anthony Davis. Those are like physically large human beings, like all seven footers. And I think if they just find a way to utilize them and give them a lot of minutes it could look a lot better for them on the court. Another thing, the Rock, if, if the Rockets were to win that Oklahoma series before the Lakers would win their series, a lot of people would be saying, oh, you know, the Rockets are well-rested. The Lakers just came off of like a two-day break. But in, it, that's not the case here. The Rockets just came off like a two-day break, and the Lakers have had like a four-day break which I think is so interesting because in that case, the Lakers should be more well-rested. They should be more fresh coming onto the court. But I think it's amazing how the Rockets just like hit them with a sense of reality and was like, that doesn't matter. We're a really good team and we're going to put a genuine competition on here. So that's why I think this won't go to like five or six games as I originally thought it would be. I honestly could see this going to like, you know, a game seven nail biter. I could see it, but I don't know. Realistically, probably a game six. Yeah. So, and here's what I'll say about the well-restedness. And I'm hesitant to say that this is a rule that goes for all NBA teams or just, you know, for the Lakers. Uh, like, and not just for the Lakers, for LeBron. Um, see, I think in the NFL and in football, rest matters. Because when you play a game as physical as football, your body always needs time to recover. You know, that's the reason why they have a week-long break in between games. You couldn't have a game every two days in the NFL because the league would just deteriorate. Um, but the other, but what, you don't, what you have to understand about basketball is, yes, it's a contact sport, but it's a relatively low-contact sport, not the way that football or rugby is. So that's why the well, I, I don't, I, I don't, put a lot of stock into like being well rested as a team because really what you need as a team is just the fire to go out and get a win that night um you don't need to be like well rested to play to play well on a basket a basketball game for me i i kind of agree and disagree because you saw the nuggets they were kind of burnt out from that seven game series with the jazz and they just came out and were deflated against the clippers and they got dominated in game one and i think uh energy played a big factor in that game but at the same time I completely see what you're saying because like football you need a week to recover there's no like back-to-back days you play NBA and MLB that's completely different like in the MLB pitchers get five days off position players play every single day and it's actually bad to get rest in between games that's why they don't like bench the starters at the end of the regular season and 
I think the same thing applies in the NBA for the most part. Like the Lakers, they looked a little bit rusty. They didn't have the same um, momentum that the Rockets have going off a seven-game series. So I think it depends team for team. But I think the Lakers are going to pull it back eventually. But uh, we'll see. One thing to keep in mind is that the Rockets live and die by the three, right? They, they just chuck up as many threes as they can. And since we are playing in, like, and the reason why they lost uh, that in, in 2018, was it 2018 when they lost yeah. against the Warriors? When they missed seven, uh, 27 straight threes, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think the Rockets, I think the Rockets this time, they're going to make a lot more threes because they're in a bubble. And in the bubble, like, you, first of all, you got no fans. So you got less distractions. And if you're in the zone, there's nothing that can really take you out of it. And two is that, you know, it's much darker in the bubble. And so that means it's going to be easier to make threes, which is why I think the Rockets can put up a fight against the Lakers. It could go seven games. Yeah, Wait, I think but I, you, you said it, it's much darker inside the bubble. What do you mean? Like, as in oh. lighting, because in in a normal arena, you, you got lights everywhere. Right. And. It, and you got like things in the background and that's going to things in your peripheral vision. That's going to uh, make it harder for you to make a basket, shoot the basket uh, yeah. from three. I don't think the lighting plays as much as a factor. It's like the depth perception. Cause I heard uh, Terrence Ross and Duncan Robinson say this on the Pat McAfee show where like, it looks, it feels like they're playing in a gym and it feels like the basket's closer and there's not distractions in the background. So I don't think it's the lighting I think it's more like the surroundings, if you know what I mean. Right, that's right. allowing Since, them to improve. There's nothing, yeah, there's nothing in the background. That's basically how it is. And so that's why you see a bunch of like role players shooting. Well, like I don't know, OG and, and a nobody. That guy made that big shot. You know? <laughs> okay. Did you, speaking, OG and a nobody. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that series, let's uh move on to that. Jatong, you want to keep going on your rant on OG because I think he's a skilled player, but uh, you don't seem to think so. Well, I mean, I'm sure he's a skilled player. Everyone in the NBA is pretty skilled, except for Giannis. And so, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a back-to-back making... MVP you're talking about, <laughs> right? Because he he can. I mean, who else are we gonna give it to, right? Chris Middleton, uh, but okay, just go. Nah, Chris Middleton is trash. I'm sorry, keep going. Uh, but <laughs> and Anna, no, for for Anna, nobody, right? What's is this his like second year? Third year. He got, he got injured last First. year. Right. I mean, and I, he can definitely like all NBA players can shoot, and so because we're in the bubble, the uh, it, the, the the mental aspect of the game is just much more comfortable for you know these like newer players, these role players, to play because you know there's less distractions. So he hits that shot. He can hit it. It's fine, but he's not making that in a real playoff game. I don't know, because, like, for me, yeah, I understand that the fans might make a difference, but some people rise up to the occasion and others drop down. It's not just, like, because there's fans. It's the expectations around the situation. And you've seen players that, you know, maybe bench-level players in the regular season bringing up their play in the postseason like Rajon Rondo did for the Pelicans a few years ago and the Lakers now. 
you've seen players like that. Those guys are those those guys are veterans. Those guys. Yeah. Roger Rondo. Roger Roger Rondo was an All Star, right? Has that? He was an All Star. He was, but yeah, he was an All Star. I mean, I would consider him to be like borderline superstar with when he was with the Celtics. No. Yeah, he was a really good player, so he could definitely turn it up. But this guy, OG, yeah, that's not happening. I don't know, because for me, OG, like, he, he, people have talked about him that he has skill and he's a solid starter. And I think he hits that shot. Like, there's, it's not like Steve Kerr in the finals with all those fans. He's a normal player, but he still hits a big-time shot. Like, normal players are capable of doing that. We can't just say because they're not a superstar, they're not going to hit shots like that. Like, it's definitely a possibility that he'd miss, but – I'd say there's a greater chance that he still ends up making that shot. But, uh, Akil, what do you think? Um, you know, hitting that shot when I saw it live, I definitely didn't think it was going to go in because OG is known for his defending. And I've heard that, you know, since he was drafted, great defender, great perimeter defender, someone who will guard LeBron when they have to play him. But watching that shot go in, I do think there was, you know, it might have been a little different if it were – at Boston Garden, and, like, the fans were all there with actually 0.5 seconds. But, you know, he made the shot. We can't change that. I think it's important to look at the series as a whole. And another thing with OG Ananobi, he was scoring 20-plus in those in this series so far. So it wasn't too much of a surprise to me that he hit that shot, but it was a bit of a surprise that he hit the shot considering the circumstances, you know, in the bubble, 0.5 seconds. Uh, you know, they're already down 2-0. That, I think, is very interesting. I don't think he's OG and a nobody. I think he's OG and a nobi. Uh, a great defender on the rise. Definitely someone who you'll hear of in maybe three, four years down the line. In some, I don't know, this is like a bold take, but like defensive player of the year discussions. Because I do think he's a great defender. Sorry. Actually, I take that back. Not a defensive player of the year, but definitely an all elite defensive defender. Team. Yeah, all defensive team. You'll definitely see him there, I think. Um, again, the shot, if he – but as the series as a whole, I think Tatum and Walker are unstoppable. Marcus Smart has turned into, like, Steph Curry times three. And if they honestly keep this up, I don't see the Raptors beating them because you're not going to hit that game winner – you know, three more times to win the series for two or four, three, they just won by one point with 0.5 seconds left. I think that's a really scary thing for Raptors fans to look at and a really good thing for, you know, Celtic fans to look at. They're not going to win a bunch of games. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. The past two games have been pretty close. Who knows? Right. I mean, the past two, go ahead to kill your, your response. Oh no, no, just, yeah. The past two games were close when the Celtics won as well. I agree. Yeah, but you've seen the games maybe close, but there was always a feel, at least for me watching it, there was always a feel that the Celtics would find a way to pull it out and that they would win the game at the end of the day just because, like, they, the scores they have, the defense they're playing, they're coaching with Brad Stevens. It just felt like – I know the score-wise it was a close game, but watching the game, the feel of the game made it seem like the Celtics had a control of both the game and the series as a whole. So I said Celtics at six at the beginning of this, and I'm still going to stick with it. Hmm. Paul, anything Paul, to add? What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the Celtics are taking this series. Um, yeah, probably in six. Yeah, probably in six, maybe in, maybe in five. Um, yeah, I, I could see it happening in five, um, you know. 
because I just think that like Brad Stevens and what he does and what he did, like what he does in, in Boston, like just maximizing the talent that he has out of his players. I mean, yeah, I think that Brad Stevens is so underrated for, for, for being able to take guys like, you know, Kemba and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, um, you know, who, who, and, and, I don't think that those guys would be the players that they are today without him and without his system, you know, like what he does, like maximizing the talent that he can get out of players. You know, I, I think that, I think that that's the reason that they're going to win this series. And I just don't think that the Raptors have the same talent that, um, that the Celtics do. Like they have Pascal. Um, but beyond that, I do not really see, they, they have Pascal and they have Gasol. But beyond that, I do not really see them matching up with the Celtics players. Yeah, speaking of, like, you know, Brad Stevens and his ability to uplift players, I really got to agree with that because you see Isaiah Thomas, he was a superstar with the Celtics. And once he left them, he just hasn't been the same player. And you see that with Al Horford, too, going from the Celtics to the 76ers. These players, when they play in Stevens' system, they elevate their game, and he finds a way to just, like, make them superstars. But once they leave, they're just not the same player. And, you know, all the credit to him because he's outcoached Nick Nurse in this series. And I just think he's probably going to be the best coach in the NBA for a long time to come once Pop retires, in my opinion, at least. You know what this reminds me of? Remember in the first round when uh, Luka Doncic hit that three over uh, Reggie Jackson to win the game? Yep. Yeah. Off of, like, uh, poor uh, – it, it was like uh, – I don't think – Reggie wasn't supposed to be defending Doncic. It was supposed to be Paul George, right? It was supposed to be Kawhi, but then they, like, switched a screen or something onto him before the ball was right. thrown in and bounds. But either way, so it was like uh, there was some sort of miscommunication because I think they intended to have Doncic on him uh, – I mean, Kawhi on him. And in this case, it was also, like, poor communication because it was, uh, you know, and nobody was wide open. And Jalen Brown was supposed to be uh, defending him. And so there was some uh, – so, so they, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And But remember, after the uh, Clippers game, was that game four? So in game five, the Clippers came back. What, they won by 42? And that's how you knew that um, the Clippers were uh, legit, that they weren't going to lose this series. We'll, see, we'll have to see how uh, Boston responds. If they respond by, uh, you know – power with more uh, conviction and actually taking control of the game and like potentially jumping out to like a really quick uh, yeah your audio is cutting out but we all, we all understand what you're saying like we all mm-hmm. see that the Celtics are probably going to win the series we all sense them bouncing back but uh, credit to OG for his shot and Kyle Lowry for the past we haven't for the we haven't shouted him out yet but like he didn't have his primary options and he said after the game that Siakam and Van Vliet were supposed to be the two options for the play that was designed, but he threw it over the top, over like six, seven taco faller, however tall he is. Um, he threw it into OG, who's not even supposed to be a part of the play, and he made the shot. So they stepped up, but I just don't think it's going to continue, and none of us do either. So uh, I think it's time we can move on to the final take segment we have where each one of us presents a hot... Hey, what about Steve Nash? Uh, that's, my, that's going into my final take. We talk about the hot takes that we have, and my hot take is the Nets will not make it out of round one of the playoffs this year. And um, I know they just hired Steve Nash. He is my favorite player of all time, Zion, Luka, everyone included. I just love Steve Nash as a player, and I think he's going to be a phenomenal coach. But the egos they have in the locker room with K 
KD and Kyrie. We saw what happened in um, Boston once Kyrie left. They started playing a lot better once he left. And this Nets as a whole, he didn't like uplift them this season. He His attitude is just a big problem for the teams he's on. I know he has a lot of talent, but his attitude is just brings the team down as whole. And KD's coming off a big injury. I don't think he's going to be the same player um, he was in Golden State, at least immediately. I think it's going to take him at least one year to adapt to the circumstances of a new team, a new situation, and coming off the injury like it did for Paul George when he was in uh, Indiana. It took him one year to get readapted to the system and play better. And I think the same thing is going to happen here because Kyrie makes the team worse. KD won't be the same player. And Steve Nash is a coach, first-time coach. I just don't think they're going to make it out of round one next year, in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely think they can <clears throat> easily make the playoffs considering – how less competitive the East is. Uh, Steve Nash is definitely going to be an experienced, uh, you know, like he's going to have a unique mindset and approach because he played with really great players. He played on a very successful team and him, he himself is a hall of fame player. So I think he's someone that can help Katie and Kyrie, but I don't think he can help the other, you know, the rest of the team. Because him being a superstar his entire career, I think he can help KD and Kyrie being superstars themselves, you know, winning their conference. But other players like Karis LeVert, um, Jarrett Allen, they're not going to see much improvements. And if KD or Kyrie, you know, they're not much – KD, he's not really that injury prone, but Kyrie is injury prone. And if one of them goes down, they're going to take a huge hit. Yeah, I I think that's a really good take, Akshay. Um, it's it's something that it's something that I didn't expect when when you said it. I was like, what? Like, they're definitely gonna get it out the first round. But then you know, after explaining it, yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, I do think I do think that they still will get out of the first round because, like I said before, in the playoffs, it doesn't become about it's not about the system; it's about the players. And at the end of the day, you still have KD who's gonna go down the floor. And honestly, I don't care whether he's the same KD or not. If he can go down the floor and shoot a 35-footer with a minute left against LeBron, I think that he can do the same thing against, you know, the Orlando Magic in the first round of the playoffs. Um, so so I, think that, I think that they'll get out of the first round simply because, if nothing else, KD or Kyrie will will them to it. Um, but I think it's a good take. For me, though, like when you look at the first round potentially next year, if they're in the bottom half or just say they're a top five team in the East if or below four, let's say four or below, they're going to be playing either the Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics or the Heat as it is this year. But like those are the top teams this year and they'll probably be the top teams next year. And they're all really good teams. And I think they all have the ability to beat the Nets in round one. But I just think, I don't know, because this is a hot take. I'm not saying it's likely. Like, there's over a 50% chance it doesn't happen. But uh, I definitely see a world in which, which this scenario takes place. Okay. All right. You want to move on to the next one? Yeah. Uh, Akio, why don't you go ahead? Okay. Um, uh, I don't think it's appropriate to say this now, but I'll say next starting next year, uh, Jason Tatum will be a top five scorer in the NBA. 
And originally I was thinking Justin in the East, but honestly, who else in the East can score like Jason Tatum? There is no one. Kyle Lowry can't score KD. like that. Uh, Kemba Walker, I don't think he can score as well as KD. Tatum. Yeah, uh, KD, you know, that's why I said starting next year. Yeah, because Katie's out right now. But, you know, if you look at it next year, top five, you can say Harden, Katie, who else? Dame. Steph. Steph, sorry, yeah. LeBron, maybe some people might say. Probably not, you know. Luca? Huh? Luca. Luca, yeah. Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, you could argue, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think Jimmy Butler as much. Jamal Murray, if he scores like he was in this past series, then definitely. But I don't think he's going to do that on will. a consistent basis. Trey? So that's the thing. You know, there's – I don't think so. Not Trey. But, okay, here are the sol- solidified names. Dame, Harden, Luka. I don't KD. think LeBron anymore. Katie, Tatum. Like when you think of the elite scorers in the NBA. And then Steph, of course, when he's healthy. So that's six names, and I think you could easily cut that down to a top five, and I definitely think Tatum could be a four or five in that. I don't think he's Harden level. Uh, there's not much competition to be a top three scorer in the East. I think he's easily that already. I think the top three scorers in the West are solidified, and I think when you look at it as a whole in the NBA, I could see Tatum walking away with the scoring title, considering all these other players. They have other superstars on their team, and you know, Tatum, yes, he has Kemba, but I don't see Kemba scoring as much as Tatum has. KD has Kyrie and Jared Allen. Jared Allen, definitely not as good as a superstar. LeBron has AD and other people who can shoot around him. Steph has Clay and whoever they draft this year from the draft. And if Draymond doesn't get the ball, he's going to whine. Uh, <laughs> Portland, they have those two big men and uh, what's his name? CJ McCollum. Harden's going to score no matter what. You know, he just has Westbrook, and Westbrook just wants his triple doubles, so he's going to pass. Okay, so what do you guys think? I'm looking at it right now. The top five is one Harden, two Beal, three Dame, four Trey, five Giannis. And then after that, there's still the superstars. Like you got Luka at six, Kyrie at seven, uh, Kawhi at nine, Booker at 10. And then when I look for Tatum, he's at 17. And I think. He's been playing a lot better than he did the regular season in these playoffs. Like, he's kind of took over and elevated his game like we've been talking about. And personally, he went to Duke. You know, I love Duke. I love Tatum. And I see it. I can see all facets of his game. He's really improving. He can shoot the three. He can drive. He takes the mid-range. He really does it all. And he definitely has the potential to be a top-five scorer. But there's just so much talent in the league. And I don't know if he's going to do it, but there's definitely a chance. So what's Tatum's career high right now? 42, is that it? I'm pretty sure it's something like in the low 40s. Yeah, probably something like that. Probably, yeah. And in order to be a top five scorer, I think your career high should at least be in the 50s. And Yeah, fair point. Like, So it just means that, I don't know, maybe whenever, maybe Tatum has needed to score – more than 40 points. And so maybe whenever he does that, they win the game. So that's probably something that you have to keep in mind. So that's going to definitely drop his scoring uh, average. Because whenever he scores 40, they seem to not need him to score anymore. Right. Right now his career highs at 41. But I think, like you were saying, he needs to score 50 or something to be in the conversation for top five or 
next season. But I think he's going to pick it up next season. I think he will get at least 150 piece, if not more. Because this, this is his third year. I don't think a lot of people like recognize that. He's playing so well already, and he still has space to grow. So I think he's going to do it. And next season, he will be in the conversation for me. But uh, I don't know what Paul thinks. Yeah, I agree. And, well, the reason that I like this, I like this just because, I mean, it's supposed to be a hot take. It's not supposed to be something that we all expect. Like, if you said, hey, KD is going to be a top five scorer next season or Steph's going to go back in the top five scorer next season, it's like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, so I like that this is, you know, a little bit bold. Um, and I can see it happening. Um, you know, yes, he hasn't dropped a 50-piece yet, but, you know, that's the point. It's a prediction. Um, that he will start dropping those kinds of numbers next year, considering how he's played in the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, I, li- I like his take. I do not think that it's, you know, out of the realm of possibility, especially when you think of the fact that a guy like Bradley Beal, um, who's like, who they're barely voting into the All-Star game, uh, you know, is in, is in that top five list. So, yeah, I, I, think, I think if anything, if anything holds Jason Tatum back from making that top five, it won't be his ability, but it'll be, you know, the system. And, and like Jatong says, well, they don't need him to score 50. Um, so, go ahead. yeah, that's all I have to say. Yeah, so uh, I think that was a good take, Akil. Maybe we can move on to the next one. Jatong, you want to yeah. present yours next? No. All right. Uh, my hot take was that Giannis is not a top five player in the league right now. Top five, I mean, including the injured players. So top five is uh, uh, LeBron, KD, Kawhi, Steph, and uh, Luka. I'd put Luka there because he's Luka's really good. And the reason why is that, uh, you know, it's, again, Giannis has no skills. At least if you're going to not shoot, at least develop some post moves, at least have some footwork and play in the post, but he doesn't seem to have that either. And it's okay if you don't take the last shot. Like, Shaq was a top five player, but you would never put him in the end of the games, right? Because he can't make a free throw. And so, Mm -hmm. um, but Shaq, at least, he had a go-to move. What's Giannis's go-to move? He has no go-to move. And Shaq had that, you know, baby hook that dropped you know Tim Duncan has the hook shot too uh Hakeem had the dream shake you know uh what's what's Giannis's move when you think of Giannis you think of a dunk but a dunk is not really a a move that you can rely on consistently okay here's the thing for me like I know what you're saying about he needs a signature move but sometimes it can just be a dunk like it was that for Shaq and additionally when you're leading a team to 60 wins almost single-handedly, I know he's in, it's in the East, but 60 wins, like, on his back, he has to be a top-five player. Like, I know Luka has KP, Kawhi has Paul George, LeBron, last year with AD, without AD, he didn't even make the playoffs. Like, all these people, they have people around him, but he's just playing by himself. And I think for that reason alone, how good he's doing by himself, he has to be in the top-five. Yeah, I don't want to disagree with Chetong and put him out of the norm. Like, I definitely think there are people in the NBA and fans who would agree with Chetong saying he's not a top five player. But I think these type of opinions are rising specifically after these past three games against the Heat. Like, I, I never heard Chetong mention this before these past three games. 
But I, I don't think we can discredit Giannis completely or devalue him because of, you know, three games against this one team. If he can suck against this one team and beat the other 29 teams in the NBA, he can still be a top five player. I mean, that was kind of with Carl Malone and John Stockton. They do a great job against every single team. But then when it came to playing MJ and the Bulls, they just suck. But again, they're still, they were still top five players consistently and in their decade. And I don't think Giannis necessarily falls out of the top five. I do think, like what based off of what Akshay said, if he gets that other player, he can. He you'll see more success from him and consistent success. But as of now, it's a little bit shaky considering, you know, they expected so much from Chris Middleton. They gave him a max extension, which I never thought he was worth, and he's putting up numbers like Kyle Lowry's putting up. So let me take a moment to disagree completely with Akil and Akshay and agree completely. Not only agree with Jatong, but I want Jatong to raise the stakes. You said he's not a top five player if you consider injured players. No, I want you to say that he's not a top five player um, regardless, of, regardless of injured players. Like, like with only players who are active right now. LeBron, AD. Um, this is not an order, wow. by the way. LeBron, AD, Luka. Um, who am I thinking of? Well, who do, who do, um, Kawhi. Oh, Kawhi. Yeah, LeBron, AD, Luca, Kawhi. And then in the fifth spot, the fifth spot is up for grabs. I'll just throw in like Jimmy Butler. I don't know. Could be having a good <laughs> it's said Harden. Grabs. Oh, yeah, Harden, sure. Actually, yeah, sure, Harden. You know, so just active players. I, 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 I want you to raise the stakes, you're telling. Um, Honestly, it, I, I can see that. And the part of the reason, like, whoa. Okay, what's Giannis's version of taking over a game? How does that look like? But Jatan, here's what I'm saying: you don't need to like take over a game in the fourth quarter. He dominates the game in the first three, and he he needs okay, another. How does that look? Driving to the basket okay. and dunking the ball. What's his version of yeah. getting hot? No, no. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Jatan. Steph, Steph. People, you can say the same thing about Steph. All he can do is shoot. You can say that. I'm not saying that's all he does. You can say that, which is what we're saying about. Giannis but Steph is wins games he wins consistently if Giannis was simply just winning games then he'd be considered a top five easily Luca isn't winning games but he can do a lot more yet he's considered a top five I think that's a bit unfair he is winning games games. okay let's look let's look at the players that Paul mentioned one LeBron last year without anyone else in the Western Conference he didn't have another superstar he didn't even make the playoffs and then you look at AD. With, okay, let, let me finish. AD with the Pelicans. <laughs> AD left the Pelicans because, you know, he realized he couldn't do it by himself. He was, like, consistently either barely making the playoffs or not making it at all. And Kawhi, yeah, last year he was a stud. He won it all. He's an exception. Luka has Kristaps Porzingis, who's another star. And James Harden, when he was by himself without Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook, he was, you know, not the superstar he is right now. So I think based on that fact alone, Giannis is by himself. He has to be in the top three of not injured players and top five of injured plus everybody, I guess, in my opinion. Even when KD comes back, you've never seen KD play without another star. Russell Westbrook. And then when he went to Golden State, he just had like a buttload of superstars there. Like Draymond, of course, wasn't in his prime. You could argue maybe that first year. He had Draymond an elite defender, Steph and Clay, other players, LeBron, you know, he had Kyrie, a Dwayne Wade, Luca, you know, just starting, of course. He has Kristaps. 
Well, yeah, let I me bring up. Had that guy. Um, I, I was so you know, I was even like rebut a couple things that um you guys said, like well that that um Giannis deserves to be a top five player simply because of the fact that he has nobody else. I mean, Kawhi didn't deserve to be a top five player just because he didn't have anybody else. Kawhi deserved to be a top five player because he led his team not only to the, to the finals but a championship. And I think that Giannis um. I think the Raptors team was better than this Bucks team, um, like besides Kawhi. But I still think that they're like comparable levels of talent. Additionally, what um, I thought Akil brought up an interesting point about John Stockton and Carl Malone and how they were great against the other 29 teams, but they were just, they sucked against the Bulls. I mean, but the thing is, A, the Bulls were widely touted as the greatest team of all time um, by the time that, Carl Malone and John Stockton were playing them. So we already knew that the Bulls were the greatest team of all time. The Heat, I'm not even entirely sure that they'll make it to the finals this year. So, so that's, that's one point. The other point is Carl Malone and John Stockton were taking the Bulls at their best to six games, you know? And it came down to the last shot. <laughs> and, and it came down to the last shot. You know, on the other hand, Giannis is down 3-0 on this team that might not make the finals this year. So I think that that's, that's a, like an important um, distinction to make. Yeah, but here's the thing. You only mentioned like Kawhi hey. out of the list I mentioned. Uh, there are a few rebuttals I talked about. I conceded the point about Kawhi, and that's the only thing you talked about. So I mean LeBron. LeBron oh, wait, made really? the finals by himself in Cleveland. Yeah. Who was in the uh, East then? No one was in the East. I mean, there's still good teams in the East. He beat the – didn't he beat the Celtics? He beat the Magic once, right? He beat the Celtics without Kyrie and – No, no, I'm saying I'm saying in his early Cav days when oh, he was by oh. himself before he went to Miami. LeBron oh. could still do that by himself. Steph, Steph uh, beat a Clippers a pretty – I mean, he took a pretty good Clippers team to six games with in Clay. 2014. And they were just they had a, yeah, that, that, no, 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 no. Akshay's right. Akshay's right. You, you Clay and Draymond are more than Chris Middleton will ever be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, Clay and Draymond in 2014. Draymond, Draymond can't. Okay. Draymond wasn't an all star back then. Clay wasn't an all star back then, right? Yeah. So he still only had one star, one all star. You had two all stars for Giannis. And... And, the, and the other thing is, Steph was not even at his peak yet. Steph hadn't, Steph hadn't fully matured. And his teammates weren't fully like they weren't all stars yet either. Giannis, on the other hand, is um, like a back, like kind of like a almost a back to back MVP kind of guy. Um, while Steph hadn't, you know, he was making his first couple all star teams, and he won the MVP. What the next season or the season after that? I think um, the next season. Yeah. Yeah, the next season. So, so I don't think he he wasn't at his peak yet, and his teammates weren't at his peak yet. So I I guess that's like an okay comparison to make. But he lost that Clippers series. So, so that's why I disagree with that take, Chatong. Um, but I think at the end of the day, what it comes down to, we're kind of saying the same stuff over and over again here. But what it comes down to is me and Akil believe that Giannis him, himself carrying the team to 60 wins and where they are right now puts him in that discussion. But Paul and Chatong are saying that, you know, other stars have done that in the past and he should be able to carry them over this Miami Heat team. But uh, I don't know. We, we're going to have to disagree either way. But I think Paul's the only one who hasn't presented his final take yet. So maybe we can move on to that now. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll present my final take. Um, I guess, and, and y'all don't have to say anything like to respond to this. I guess I don't even need Giannis to 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 win against this Heat team because I think the Heat team is better um, than the Bucks are. 
I just need him to like put up more of a fight, you know, because if he loses in four or five games, like that's like a little bit embarrassing. Um, but if he puts up a fight, if he takes it to six or seven, then, you know, that's definitely really respectable. Um, even if he can't win the series. Yeah, I think but, he'll still uh, go ahead. Yeah, but I guess my, my, my take is um, and this this is a guy nothing to do with like real factual evidence like you guys. I'm just I'm just a Hawks fan. So my, my take is that the Atlanta Hawks are going to the playoffs this season. Um, yeah, that's all. <laughs> Any reason <laughs> why? I think it's a I think it's a fairly weak argument. Um, but you know we'll see. I know Jatong yeah. agree. Oh, go ahead, Akil. Oh no, I was just thinking like I don't think that's too extreme. You know, a lot of I actually haven't looked at the draft order, but I'm pretty sure a lot of the Eastern teams have the lottery picks. So if you know if they don't turn into superstars, those you know those guys in their rookie years, then I'm sure the Hawks can make the playoffs. Because honestly, I could see Trey Young, John Collins carrying that team to an eighth seed, maybe a seventh seed. But I definitely think that's a position they have to battle for in the last few games of the season. Yeah, I mean, the East is just, like, so bad. Like, this year, the Nets, without Kyrie, made it. The Magic, who were just, you know, absolutely trash, made it. And the Hornets were competing. The Pistons were there. I feel like the Hawks will be in that discussion. Like, they'll be the bottom tier. of the Not the bottom tier, but they'll be a step above, you know, basically just the Knicks. Uh, but they'll be in that conversation for the 7 or 8 seed. And if Trey can pull step his game up, if... Capella, who they're adding to the lineup, who they didn't have this year. If they nail down this number six pick, there's a good chance they'll get that spot. So I don't think this is too ridiculous of a take. But once again, I'm a Hawks fan too. So, all right, I guess I'm gonna have to, you know, play some devil's advocate here. Uh, so when I was watching the Hawks this uh, this season, you know, I, there there are some games where the Hawks are just super disappointing, right? You see. Uh, they, they, they were down by 40 to the Knicks in one game. And they lost to the Nets by 30, I think, like almost twice in two games. And so uh, what that tells me is that, like, first of all, they're super inconsistent. And the reason why is because, you know, they're, they're so young, right? Who, who's the oldest player, like, in that core? John Collins? Right, right. No. Oh, yeah, in the core, in the core, yes. I guess you'd say, you could say Clint Capella. Capella. Okay, and Clint Capella, how old is he? Like 20, yeah, maybe. Right, but either way, he's not hes not like what you, you call a veteran player, right? Right. Unless the Hawks get some veteran players, they won't know how to win. It's not like you can go from losing to winning without learning how to win first. Trey Young's never won in his entire life. <laughs> starting from... <laughs> yeah, yeah, start, yeah. Actually, that's true, actually. In college, he didn't... Starting from high school to college or whatever. He's never won in college. Has John Collins won in college? The only winner on that team right now is DeAndre Hunter, who won uh, with Virginia. Yes, yes. And and Cam Reddish. No, you know, Duke's best college basketball scorer. Yeah, he saw some success there. But, yeah, let's let Kachong continue. Right. So, I mean, if if DeAndre Hunter's the only winner on your team, you're not going to win anything. And – the coach, too. They got to change the coach. Their coach is a player development coach. They don't have any offensive sets at all, from what I can see. Like, it's, it's really lame how they run their offense. They don't know how to use Trey Young off the ball. And the pick won't help because you're just adding another young player who can just, who's probably just going to hold them back. Right. Yeah. 
So unless it's the veteran players uh, to change their coach, they're going to win. That's a really good point by Chitong, actually. Another young player that will just keep them in the developmental stage. But here's the thing. You're always going to have young players. Like, every team picks in the draft every single year unless you trade the pick. It's just how you use the young players. Some players are more ready than others. But I just feel like the Hawks, they got a lot of young studs who are going to be able to produce for the team. And if one of them, whether it be Reddish, Hunter, or Herder, steps up and gets gives Trey some help, they'll be in the playoff conversation. And it's just a matter of time before this team reaches the ceiling of the NBA and, you know, just wins the championship is their ceiling. And we'll see when that happens and if it happens. You know, for the Warriors, you know who their winner was? Steve Kerr. Or, uh, and, well, I mean, I guess LeBron's the exception. But LeBron's been winning since high school, right? Uh, yeah. For Spurs, they've been winning since forever. Hawks, the Hawks organization hasn't won anything in a very long time. You know? You're right, you're right. But I just think, like, LeBron, oh, go ahead. Why? Yeah, go oh, I was just saying, like, yeah, I know what you're saying. We had this conversation on the NFL podcast last time about the Browns and how they can't, you know, establish a winning culture through players. It needs to be within the organization itself. And the Browns didn't do that. They tried to bring in players who would make the organization win, but it wasn't like a winning culture. But I feel like the Hawks, they're starting to have that. Starting from the GM, we had the old Warriors or someone who worked in the Warriors, Warriors organization. And we need to switch the coach. I agree with that part. But I just feel like we have the system in place to be able to be a winning organization like the Warriors for years to come. And we'll just see what happens and if it happens. But uh, I don't know. I feel like the Hawks will be in that conversation to make the playoffs next year. It's definitely a chance, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, I think, I think that's definitely a good point to talk. Um, I'm just like, you know, you know us, like we're just diehard Hawks fans. Like, I just want to see the best for them. Um, but yeah, dang, dude, it's like, you're got a cricket next to the mic. Yeah. (laughs) Just like, um, but, uh, I guess that, does that conclude the podcast? Is that, yeah. Dang. Okay. Okay. I thought, I thought this was was a fun session. This is good. Um, All right, guys, thank you for joining us for another episode of Half Court Heave. We look forward to another episode next weekend. Make sure to share this podcast and definitely help us gain recognition. Thank you, guys. Yes, sir.